Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hey, Goal Achievers, this is Hal Elrod, and you are about to hear a conversation that I had yesterday with my friend Tim Grawl. And this conversation actually turned out to be really insightful. And, uh, you know, the Achieve Your Goals podcast, we really focus, I focus on bringing you stories and strategies that will enable you to achieve your goals, bigger goals, better goals, more meaningful goals, faster. And uh, you're going to get that from today's episode. But before I introduce Tim, which you'll hear in in a minute, I wanted to mention that last week's podcast, we talked about why human nature is arguably the number one factor, or at least a very prevalent factor that holds us back from fulfilling our potential, from creating the life that we want. And in that episode, I teased that this week, that the next episode would talk about the other thing that holds us back, which is societal conditioning. And so I ended up having this conversation with Tim yesterday and this topic of societal conditioning as I was working this out and I've been kind of writing out notes and thoughts and ways that I can deliver this to you, it really is a deep topic. Like it really has a lot of depth. It has a lot of breadth and I want to do it justice. So I didn't want to uh, throw it together today for you. And instead, this conversation that I had with Tim yesterday was really profound and really helpful. And I think that you'll find it very helpful and enjoyable. And Tim is, as you'll hear when I introduce him here in a few minutes, he's a great guy, very smart guy, very well-respected guy by some of the best authors in the world who hire him to help them get their message out there in the biggest way and the most effective way possible, which I did with my last book, The Miracle Equation. So you're about to hear a conversation with Tim Grawl, but I just didn't want to leave you hanging if you were like, wait a minute, I loved the human nature episode, Hal, and I was totally ready. Like You left a teaser at the end. I was excited for the episode on societal conditioning and how that holds us back from experiencing all that we want to experience in life. So Human nature holds us back from creating what we want to create, but societal conditioning holds us back from experiencing what we want to experience. And what I mean by that is what I'd imagine you want to experience are feelings and emotions such as joy and happiness and fulfillment and freedom. But societal conditioning creates comparisons for us that cause us to always feel like we're not where we could be or should be or where someone else is. It creates jealousy. It creates competition. Societal conditioning also drives us to do things that are not healthy. In fact, behaviors such as eating unhealthy food. Well, when you watch enough commercials and that pizza or that burger, that chicken, fried chicken sandwich, whatever, God, it looks so good. That drives us to eat foods based purely on texture and taste. When if we really were taking care of ourselves, we would eat foods based on the consequences of those foods, right? The health and energetic consequences, foods that provided energy and longevity and things like that. So societal conditioning also tempts us to spend money on things that we don't need to, you've heard this before, right? Impress people that we don't necessarily need to impress and so on and so forth. And the point is, I'm giving you guys just a teaser that we're going to go into this topic in depth. It might be next week. I'm not going to rush it though. Like this really deserves societal conditioning, how it impacts us in negative ways from experiencing the life of freedom and joy and fulfillment that we really want. It's really a topic again that deserves a lot of thought, a lot of time. So I'm going to keep massaging this and working on this and researching this. 
and I will deliver it to you in the perfect timing. But again, I didn't want to leave you hanging and just share this episode with my good friend, Tim Grawl. And you go, wait a minute, what about what you talked about last week? So again, it's on hold. It will come in the right timing. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed it, genuinely, authentically, with the brilliant Tim Grawl. Here you go. If you're listening to this podcast, I think what I'm about to say applies to you. And that is this. When you dream, you envision a magical future. The day when you have heroically slain your dragons and unlocked the creativity and genius buried deep inside of you. But how do you actually get to that destination? You can analyze the myths of visionary creators, artists, writers, musicians, software developers, etc., who have accomplished the impossible. You'll read about how they went for it. They refused to quit and would not be denied. But exactly how these successful creators went from being fearful dreamers, as we all are, to accomplished artists proves elusive. Well, no longer will it be elusive after our conversation today that you're about to listen to with my good friend, Tim Grawl. And before I bring Tim on, I want to tell you a little bit about Tim and how I connected with him. He actually came to me through a mutual friend, a colleague, Honoré Quarter. And many of you, if not all of you or most of you, are familiar with Honoré. Honoré is my business partner and co-creator of the Miracle Morning Book series. So Honoré and I have produced 12, 13, 14 uh, books in the series now. Miracle Morning for entrepreneurs, for writers, for millionaires, for parents and families, couples, you name it. And I was preparing to write and eventually launch my new book, The Miracle Equation. And I was talking to Honoré and she said, do you know Tim Grawl? And I said, I've heard his name, like his reputation precedes him, but no, I, you know, I don't know him. I've never talked to him. She said, well, he lives here in Nashville. I've gotten to know him really well. And he is a lot of things. He is brilliant. Uh, he's arguably one of the best at what he does. And what he does is helps authors take their vision of having a book to get it out there to the world and then amplify its reach to reach thousands, hundreds of thousands or millions of people. And she said, everyone that has worked with Tim, which are some of the best authors out there, New York Times, number one bestsellers and so on, she said, they swear by him. They love him. And he said, I, she said, I've had a coffee with him. I've gotten to know him. And most importantly, his heart. He's just a beautiful human being. She said, so I give him my highest recommendation. And I was deciding between working with Tim and another gentleman who also helps authors launch their books. And this other gentleman is very popular and well-known and comes highly recommended. And after talking with both, I just my heart, my intuition said to work with Tim. And I'm so grateful that I did. I was just telling Tim this before we started recording for you. And it was that I loved every second of the process of working with him. He truly is about quality over quantity. Everything that we did was how this isn't about, you know, promo, promo, promo and getting everybody you know to promote your book on social media. He said, I want this to be quality where we connect with the people that you have deep relationships with that also have an audience that have a reach. And we do something special for each of their audience that's unique that you can't do for everybody you know, because it's going to take time and energy and thoughtfulness and intention and care 
not from not only from me, but from every one of these individuals. And so if you were around during the Miracle Equation book launch, right? Folks like Pat Flynn and Jordan Harbinger and Christopher Lockhead and you know, the list goes on and on and on, honorary quarter. It was Tim's help and his thoughtfulness and care in crafting the emails and the messages and the way that we would connect with the reader and connect with the individuals that I was asking to please help me introduce this to your audience and your readers. Anyway, so it was amazing. And the Miracle Equation, I can tell you, you know, numbers-wise, metric-wise, I believe we sold 17,000 copies in the first two weeks. And I've got to give you a little bit of contrast. The Miracle Morning sold, you ready for this? 1,800 copies in the first two weeks. So with Tim's help, and now keep in mind, Miracle Morning has sold 1.7 million copies now, but it started out with 1,800 copies in the first two weeks. Well, with Tim's help, the Miracle Equation, with Tim's guidance, leadership, you name it, sold 17,000 copies, nearly 10 times as many copies as the Miracle Morning. And it reached that many people. And I'll tell you, Tim, this is important for you to hear. I was interviewed earlier by a gentleman named Ray Edwards that hosts a podcast. And he was recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And he said that, you know, it's been a rough road for him. And, you know, it's been very scary. And uh, you know, I can only imagine as you could only imagine what that's like to receive that diagnosis. And he said he stumbled upon, he actually listened to my interview with Jordan Harbinger, one of the messengers that Tim connected me with. And he said he listened to that interview with Jordan. And he said that the miracle equation was a true miracle that it literally changed his life. And this diagnosis that for him was one of the worst things that happened. And now it's become a gift for him. And anyway, I just, that's enough. Uh, Tim, I am so humbled. I am so grateful for you and the impact you've made in my life and the lives of people like Ray and countless others that you and I will probably never hear from and never meet. But the Miracle Equation and thanks to your your work and your brilliance is impacting countless lives and will probably impact millions more in the future. So welcome, my friend. Whoa, that was quite the introduction. <laughs> it was not written, by the way. That was just off of, I literally, yeah, yeah. yeah the intro I, says, tell the story of how I connected with Tim. That was what I wrote down. So I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, brother. Well, it's from the heart and uh, I appreciate you. Well, so here's the deal. I was searching for your bio online and every bio of yours, which this makes sense, it focuses on what you do professionally, right? Which is you help authors. And so, but I thought, man, I, I want like, you know, I know there's so much more to Tim and I've got your book in my hand, Running Down a Dream right here, Your Roadmap to Winning Creative Battles. And I've started reading it. I have not finished reading it. I'm in the middle of it now, but um, I would love for you to share with me and with the audience a little bit about your background and start wherever you want. But I always think it's interesting kind of like, you know, what kind of kid were you? And then what was the defining moment where you set a goal? Maybe you hit it, maybe you missed it. But that first defining moment where you went, wow, huh, I can actually achieve things that I put my mind to and that sort of thing. So start where you'd like and take us wherever you want to go. Yeah. I mean, for me, I never really remember thinking much about my future and what I wanted to do. I remember one time when I was in high school, I was driving and dad, my dad just was like, you know, what do you, you know, what do you think you'll be when you graduate and, and go on? And I was like, I don't know. I think I just want to get like a really good job, have a family and, and that would be it. And so I went to college and I got a degree in computer science. So I learned how to be a programmer. 
got my first job doing that and I just, I just hated the job. I thought, okay, well, I just need a new job. And so, uh, I got another job maybe like a year later and it was one of those where like at, when I showed up for work, they were literally cleaning out a closet for me to work out of. Hmm. And I couldn't like get, I had to like turn my chair and scoot out because there wasn't enough room between my desk and the wall for me <laughs> to actually get out from underneath my desk. Wow. And they had told me I'd be in the programming department and they put me over in this like printing department and it doesn't matter. It was just one of those like really bad jobs. What age and, is that? Oh, that would have been like 22, 23. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd been out of college a year. Um, I got married my in the middle of my senior year of college and uh, I was just sitting there and I was thinking like, I really just was thinking like, Oh no, like what is this? What it is? Like, is this, is this it? Because I'm already hating this and I'm not very far into it. Hmm. And so I started looking around and I, that's when I found like Seth Godin's blog. Uh, so, I mean, this is God, this is 16 years ago, 17 years ago, something like that. Hmm. Found Hugh McLeod's blog, Gaping Void. Uh, and started reading. And that was my first glimpse of like, oh, I could like do meaningful work. I could do something I really cared about. And that was when I, I just made the decision of like, I think I'm going to have to do this by myself. Like, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think I'm going to find it inside of companies. And so there was actually a moment, um, I had started kind of a side business and started growing it after that. And I had this moment where my wife's uncle had gotten me an interview at the local like big company. It was, it's a power plant in a nuclear power plant in uh, where I used to live in Lynchburg, Virginia. And he had gotten me an interview there. And my, you know, I, I think of him as my uncle. So my uncle had been there for, I don't know, he's been there like 30 or 40 years or something. He's been there forever. And it's one of those companies and those are rare companies now where like you could legitimately get a job and work there for the next 30, 40 years and they pay really well and have great benefits and all of those things. And I did my first interview and they wanted me to come in to kind of do a final walkthrough before they hired me. But I knew that if I took that route, I wouldn't be able to do my own business. Uh, it was just going to take too much time, too much effort. And I was like... I, I told my wife, I said, I, I don't think I want to do it. I think I want to go after this other thing. And she's like, do what you got to do, you know? And so that was kind of the big defining moment for me of realizing both that like, I'm going to have to step out and do something on my own. And then I'm also going to have to give up this really great opportunity to do it. And so that was kind of the start of everything. And it wasn't long after that where I actually quit my job and started working for myself, which is the, the opener of Running Down a Dream of the book. Wow. So what was the first side business you started, by the way? For like extra money, I was doing just like freelance web development. But I started a series of blogs in the mountain bike world. And uh, this was like... Years? Yeah, well, it was the like I was really it started when I had one of my jobs and I liked mountain biking and I didn't have any money to buy stuff. So I thought maybe if I start a blog, I could 
<laughs> love it. Three steps so I could review it. And that's kind of how it started. But I grew it into like, um, I think I had five sites and like all these people writing for me. Um, and that was kind of what I thought I would grow. Um, but that ended up fizzling out and not working very well. And so I really focused in on the freelance web development and design. And then that's what eventually became working full time with authors. Like I started working with authors and really liked the work and just really love working with authors. You know, working like I had gotten to do some pretty big gigs for like big companies. And when you, but then I like end up sitting in these boardrooms with like 10 people making decisions on the shade of the color of red for that button. Hmm. And when I compared that to like, you know, like working with you where it's like, it's fun, it's exciting, um, you know, and everybody, you know, everybody who's writing a book cares about what they're doing. Um, And uh, it was just always so fun and fascinating working with these people that are doing such creative work. And I've always loved books and been a big reader. And so I ended up getting to work with, you know, authors I've been fan of for years. And um, and so that's kind of the, you know, I think it's so funny when people or anybody I meet that like set out to do something and that worked. I'm like, I set out to do one thing and that failed. And so I tried something else and that failed. And I tried something else and that failed. Like, it was like just lots of lots of failures and finding my way to something. Well, that's interesting. You know, so the miracle equation, you know, that's one of the things that I talk about. And it's really a Jim Rohn philosophy that the purpose of a goal is not to hit the goal. The purpose of a goal is to develop the qualities and characteristics of someone who can achieve goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're speaking exactly to that, right? And more often than not, you end up not doing the thing that you thought you were going to do because as you learn and grow and evolve, your vision for what's available and what's possible grows and evolves, right? So it sounds like that's very much what happened for you. Who was the first author you worked for and how did that come to be? So I was reading this blog called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And he posted something about how he just gotten a book deal and he was looking for somebody to help with some of the like nuts and bolts on his blog and getting things ready to launch the book. And so I just shot him an email, you know, completely cold. We didn't know each other. I never worked in the author world, didn't know him at all. And was like, hey, you know, I'll do that. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And so I worked for um, almost a year leading up to the launch of the book. And I just didn't think much about it because it's like he wasn't going on a book tour. He wasn't going on TV to promote his book. His book wasn't getting like, you know, in caps at Barnes and Noble or anything. So I'm like, you know, it's not going to do much, but it's fun working with this guy. I like his blog or whatever. And when the book came out, it debuted on the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And it was completely through his own following on his blog and his email list. And that was fascinating to me because I was like, how did this, like, he was in his early 20s. Wow. Was like, his early 20s with no publicist, no book tour, no traditional media, or very little. I don't think he had any. Um, he sold all these books and it was just his blog. And uh, in his email list. And I was like, now that's interesting. I wonder if that is, you can replicate that. And I wonder who else is doing this. And I wonder like, how does this work? And, um, and so that is what kind of whet my appetite of like, okay, I'm going to go out and figure out how this works. And uh, I started working with more and more authors. And it wasn't too long after that 
that uh, I just changed my whole company to only work with authors uh, and just focused in on that because again, the work was fun. It was fascinating. And it's been, you know, in this really fun time of change in the publishing industry um, with indie publishing coming online for real, for really for the first time that it's viable uh, with publishers, you know, trying to find their place in the world still and all kinds of stuff. So it's been really fun to get to work with so many amazing creative people. And again, there's, you know, authors are so passionate about what they do. And so you never end up working with somebody who's just like hates themselves, which is pretty much all I could find in the corporate world. And so uh, it was really good. And um, so that's, that's how I got into working with authors was just working with one and, and kind of getting hooked on the process. Wow. And so is it Ramit? Is that, am I saying it right? Yeah, Ramit. Yeah. Ramit Sethi. So he had just written, I will teach you to be rich. That was the name of his blog, right? Yeah, it was the name of his blog and he had just gotten the book deal. Oh. So it was like a year later that it came out or he had just turned it into the publisher or something. But it was, it was funny because the 10 year anniversary of the book uh, came out this last year. Oh, nice. And I was like, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like that's crazy. 10 years. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Uh, it feels um, weird being old enough to say something. I've been doing something for 10 years. Well, dude, I know that. Like, So I just turned 40, right? And all my close friends, not all, many of them I met when I was selling Cutco at 19, 20. And yeah. so dripped it. I'm like, you guys realize we've known each other for half our lives? That's so weird. Yeah. Oh, 20 years. Isn't it crazy? All right. So uh, really fascinating, man. Really fascinating. So what I love about this, I just want to kind of like, you know, for the listeners, right? You look at the story. I mean, I think that's for me, the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Again, I'm speaking to you, the listener. It is, there's two things I like to do with everybody I bring onto this show. And I'd like for people like Tim to share two things story and strategy, right? Which is, I think for me and for all of us, our culture, human beings, right? We gravitate towards stories. And often that's the greatest way to learn lessons is through a story. And there's layers of why that is true. One layer is that you go, well, hey, if they did it, I can do it, right? You hear someone, you go, wait, they're like me. They just started out as like a baby in diapers, right? They didn't have any special gifts, you know, necessarily. And then they grew up and then they tried stuff and then they failed. And then like Tim, he went to college and got a degree and completely realized you missed the mark, right? You know, in terms of what was fulfilling for you. And then you didn't just give up and throw in the towel and go, well, I guess I'm screwed. I'm going to work in a shitty job that I hate for the rest of my life. Right. And then, by the way, that's just, there's such a valuable lesson there, Tim. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for living that, which is no, Tim decided that, yes, he went to college to be a computer programmer, but he got a job as a computer programmer and he hated it. So he decided after reading Seth Godin's blog that he realized he could actually do meaningful work. And by the way, if you're listening and you're, still stuck in that job that you don't find fulfilling. You know, when was the best day to leave that job? It was, you know, it was yesterday, right? Or the day before. But the next best day is to start planning that exit strategy now. And by the way, don't burn your boats. Don't do the old, uh, that famous right. story, which I don't even know if that's true. Yeah. I hate but, uh, that. I hate that advice. You do? Okay, yeah. talk about that. Because I, I have my thoughts on that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on... Okay, so if somebody's listening and they're where you were when they realized... I don't love my job. Or maybe it's just that my job doesn't pay me what I need to support the family, right? There could be lots of reasons they want to, let's say, exit the job, become an entrepreneur, or start something else, you know, or start a pat, whatever it is. And maybe they hear that advice, just burn the boats, quit your job so you're forced to figure it out. 
I think that's the worst advice. I'll explain why I think that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts first. Yeah. I mean, to me, it depends on what's at stake, right? So I basically did that. I, um, my wife, we had, my son was two months old. We had decided she would stay home with him. And I was basically just sick of my job and decided to quit. And I, you know, I built up some kind of revenue, uh, as a freelancer and my bike stuff was bringing in a little bit of money, but not much. But I was just kind of like, I was basically like, ah, this sucks. This, you know, a, a lot of like young brash, you know, think I'm too good for this. And six months later, I ran out of money. Uh, I had to call my parents and ask them to send me money so I wouldn't miss a mortgage payment. Um, and then, and that's actually where Running Down a Dream, my book, uh, my book starts off because, you know, what I wanted to share was so many times, I'm going to come back to that, but so many times when we hear the story of somebody setting out to do something, we hear the clean version of the story or the slightly, you know, the kind of like, well, it was really hard, but look at all this stuff I learned. And the more I got to know all of these creative people and see behind the scenes and what was really going on, I got to see like, no, it's usually hard for a really long time. And so I wanted to just tell my true story of how hard it is to actually run down a dream. Um, but so around this time though, I had this friend who had a day job and he was building up a side business. And I kept saying like, why don't you quit your job? Like it's making good money. He's like, I'm just going to wait. You know, I can, I can handle them both. I don't like it. I hate my job, but like, I'm just going to keep waiting. And he had two or three kids at the time. And, uh, and I kept saying, come on, man, like, just do it. Like, you've got this business. You can pull it off. He's like, ah, I'm just going to wait. You know, I'm going to keep growing it. And, um, he waited until his business was making more than his day job. And then he went into his day job. He, he ended up negotiating for half of his salary to come in one day a week. Hmm. So now he was making what probably about a hundred and or uh, like over twice or no, like over 150% of what he was making before and only having to work one day a week. And he did that for two more years. And then he finally quit and he had all this extra money set aside because he, he was before he quit his job, he was saving all the money from his side business. Then once he went to one day a week, he saved all the money that he was getting from that, uh, from his job, that half salary. Mm -hmm. And he never ran out of money. <laughs> and uh, so like he didn't burn his ships and that was really, really smart. And you contrast that with my kind of brash, just quitting my job because I was sick at, of it and thought I was too good for it. Um, I took a much harder road and, you know, we can all look back and be like, well, that's our story. And that's why I am who I am today. But also there's like legitimately like, don't make it harder than it has to be. Yeah. And so I always, I really respect him, uh, especially looking back, uh, because at the time I kind of looked down on him. I didn't think he had the guts to do it. And now I have a lot of respect for him of being patient, working really hard putting in a couple years extra so that it would be easy when it happened instead of having to struggle and like really, you know, put his family at risk. You know, if I'm single and I've got like a cheap apartment I share with four guys and like replacing that income wouldn't be a big deal. Sure. Burn the ships. You know, the downside's not very high. 
Yeah. But if you've got responsibilities, if you're like taking care of your mom because she's sick, you know, like if there's responsibilities, then like those, I think, trump, you know, if I've committed to certain responsibilities like being a dad, those trump whatever I necessarily want. Yeah. So I, I really am very careful with that advice because I, it's mostly just bad advice. Yeah. That dude, if he did that, if he burned his ships, that guy's an asshole. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That, I like that. And also I'll echo that and I'll add a caveat to it, which is that, I mean, I agree for all of the reasons that you said. And I, but I think that even if you're single, like here's the thought is that, yeah, you're making it to your point more difficult than it needs to be. And I have a friend and he was single at the time, uh, you know, didn't have kids yet. And he was sick of his job and he was making like, I think a hundred grand a year or something like that. And uh, he, so he had a great job and he was like, he saw me writing a book and starting a business and you know, all this. And he's like, man, I want that. And I want to be a speaker. So he burned his ships and he left and it almost always takes longer than you think it's going to take. Yeah. And so he ran out of money and, you know, and, and he was struggling for a long time. and operating from a place of fear, scarcity, and stress is rarely the best place to operate, yeah. rarely the best mindset to be in. And the way that I did it, I did kind of a hybrid. I guess I started a fire at the back of the ships, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like a slow burn, which I think is the way to do it, you know? And so what I did when I left my sales position, and I'd earned hundred grand that last year, um, but I, wanted, I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to be an author. I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be a coach. And I always say there's a fine line between optimism and delusion, right? And most of us cross it pretty often. But what I did is, A, I saved enough money to pay my expenses for probably three months. And I should have saved for like at least six, ideally 12. Honestly, like I would say if you're thinking like have 12 months of expenses where if you don't make a dime, you can pay your bills and focus on building your new business for 12 months. That would be ideal to me. But the second thing I did, which was kind of the hybrid, is I, yeah, I only had a few months of I saved twenty grand basically, and I think my expenses were like six grand a month at that time for my mortgage and car and everything else. But what I did is I brought on my first I don't know I think it was like ten coaching clients, and they were only at two hundred bucks a month because I that was like my deal was like hey you're my first coaching client you guys are going to get like a killer discount you know so they're only they're paying me very little money relative but uh so a couple hundred bucks but the point is I had a money saved and be an income. And I kind of made it by the skin of my teeth where when the money ran out, I had brought on enough new clients that I kind of smoothly transitioned from one to the other. But anyway, so that's, yeah, if you're listening to this and you want to leave, like, don't let emotion be what drives your decision. Meaning, I hate my job, I'm fed up, I'm done. And don't let the other side of emotion, which is the optimism slash delusion, right? Which is like, I'll make it work, I'll figure it out. You know, like emotion is a double-edged sword. We're all bipolar a little bit, (laughs) right? you know, the other thing I would say here too is that, and this is another lesson I learned from that same guy, is if you can build a business that is, say, two-thirds of your income only working, say, 10 hours a week, mm. like think about... Because so many people are like, oh, I'll make so much money once I can put so much more time into it. And I'm like, you're thinking of it backwards. You need to figure out how to make as much money as possible on as little time as possible. Yeah. Right? Like I didn't... You, we shouldn't be looking like to replace our four. I, what drives me crazy is when people like quit their forty-hour-a-week job to start an eighty-hour-a-week job. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, and like, do you have a plan on reducing that, or where it's like this guy did a really good because he grew it as his side business. Once he went down to one day a week, he was working two days a week and making that much money. 
And then if he wanted to put some more time into it, that's fine. But he wasn't relying on like, okay, once I can spend all this time on it, I'm going to make all this money. Instead, he's like, how do I make as much money on as little time as possible? So that's the other thing it teaches you to do. Like new parents, uh, when they're like taking care of babies and taking care of kids, I'm like, just learn how to be super, use this as practice to be super efficient. So once your kids are like in school or they get older, like you're going to be amazed at what you can get done because you use it as practice to be efficient. I think of that too. If you have a day job, like use it as practice to be efficient and look at it as like, not that your day job's holding you back. It's a nice constraint to force you to be efficient and learn how to make money efficiently instead of just by dumping time into it. I like that. I love that a lot. So the first lesson here, everybody, and this could be the only lesson, but it's don't burn the boats. Another way of saying that is build another boat first, right? Build another boat and then burn the boat that you live on now, right? Learn to be efficient. How did you say that? Yeah, like use it as a way to learn to be efficient in making money, right? Because... I mean, it depends on what kind of business you're building, but I think if you can figure out how to replace your income on 10 hours a week, like that's awesome. You could like live on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Um, where like so many people quit their job and then they, I'm sure you know those people that like 40, <laughs> I'm thinking of one particular guy I know, it's like 40 years after running, starting his business so he could have freedom, he's still putting in 60 plus hour weeks. And my thing is like, learn to be efficient in making money. Yeah. Yeah, learn to be efficient making money. No, it it is so true. And that's the beauty of being an author, by the way, as a side note, right? That your books actually make money while you sleep, which is kind of cool. In fact, where was I the other day? We were doing something and my wife, I think, was like, oh, this costs money or whatever. We were over on our overnight date night and I go, sweetie, you want to know the best news? She said, what? I go, we just made money. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, we're authors. We make money, like people are purchasing the books and that it's not only changing their lives, it's helping support our life. Like, you know, so I think that efficiency is such an important piece. There always is this, you know, with the idea of like create passive income or multiple streams of income. I think people have this negative connotation like, oh, that's like get rich quick. It's like, no, that's setting your family up for financial security. Another word would be that's smart. Uh, (laughs) Smart. There you go. Yeah. So uh, let's wrap up with, uh, or not wrap up, but almost like pre-wrap up. What would be like your, you know, if you had like a number one strategy or lesson that you've learned that has helped you to achieve the goals that you now have achieved? And really, I say the biggest goal is the life that you're able to live where you're able to work location independence. I mean, you're really living the dream, Tim. You're doing work you love, work that helps not only the people that you serve, but the readers that they serve. And uh, you're able to put your family first and really focus on what matters. So is there any golden nugget that you can share that you feel like has been really instrumental in being able to create that life that so many of us dream of? Yeah. So it's interesting because we're talking about what the podcast is and how it focuses on goals. And I have this very kind of love-hate relationship with goals. Because on one hand, I feel like goals can be counterproductive, right? So it's this idea of like, if I need to lose 10 pounds... And it's like, well, sure. When if, okay, so you lose ten pounds, does that mean you're done? Like, are, and so many people, when they reach whatever that goal is, they kind of don't know what to do with themselves. And so, I really like to focus on um, systems, and I think of it as like um, learning to do a little bit every day 
that will get me to everywhere that I want to go, right? So if I want, I don't really want to lose 10 pounds. I want to be healthy, right? And I'm sure this has been talked about before, but it's this idea of if I, if I change a little bit every day, I'll automatically get where I want to go. If I write a thousand words a day, I'll write every book I've ever dreamed of writing. I'll write every article I'll ever dream of writing. All I have to do is do today what I need to do today. And I kind of think of it as like open water swimming, um, which I'm not a very good swimmer. But like the way that I've done open water swimming is you kind of like point your body in the right direction. And then you just put your head in the water and just start swimming, 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 swimming. And then like every once in a while, you like come up out of the water and be like, oh, I kind of, I'm kind of going the wrong direction, kind of reset and then start putting, put my face back in the water and head in that direction. And so I really try to just think, um, I always do this at the beginning of the year. I think, okay, where do I want to be? you know, five years from now, one year from now. And then it's like, okay, what do I need to do every day that will automatically get me there? I'm not really focused on, I got to hit this goal. I got to hit this goal. I got to hit this goal. It's how do I be the type of person that will automatically hit every goal I could come up with? And I like that because it really informs in a very small way um, what I need to do today, right? So like if I want to write a book, and it seems really overwhelming of like, I got to string a hundred thousand words together. Like, how am I going to do that? And da, 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 da. But it's like, if I just get in the habit of writing 500 words a day, like I'm going to write, what is that? Like almost 200,000 words a year, just writing 500 words a day. And 500 words is just all I got to do today. And if I get that done today, that's fine. And then I just got to do it tomorrow. And in six months, you'll look back and be like, holy shit, I just wrote a lot of words. Yeah, And so I really just try to focus on like, who do I need to be today that will automatically get me to everywhere I want to be? And I really just, and maybe this is as I've gotten a little older, like I'm just not in a hurry. It's like, I'd much rather just slowly methodically move things the direction I want to go instead of feeling like if this doesn't happen the next six months, everything's going to fall apart. And the more that I calm down and just focus on that, the more I lift my head up and I'm so much further than where I thought I was going to be. Tim, you are wise. And I don't know if I'm just saying that because we think exactly the same. (laughs) In fact, that was so well put and it was such a great final thought that I'm tempted to be like, yeah, but I, uh, yeah, no, that was beautiful. And I think that I'll just say, I'll keep it as short as possible, but you know, you just to recap what you said, focus on systems that produce the goals. And in the miracle equation, right? I call that your process, right? Every goal is preceded by a process. And if you commit to the process over an extended period of time, you eventually hit the goal. The only variable is timing. It's just you keep doing the process, you eventually get there. And I love what you said, right? How do you do that? Well, I like the way you said, ask yourself, you know, how do I be the person today who can achieve any goal that I set, right? What is the process? What's the systems? What are the things I need to be doing each and every day to keep moving in the direction of the goals, the dreams, and the life that we want. Yeah, well said, my friend. Well, uh, you are a wise man and uh, I'm grateful for uh, having you in my life. And thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom and your story today on the uh, podcast. Yeah, thanks, Hal. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure, man. Well, goal achievers. Remember, this podcast is going to soon be renamed going into 2020. This will become... I don't want to guarantee this because I changed my mind. This could change. But as of now... This will be called the Miracle Life 
podcast. That is the plan. That is kind of the future that I'm living into and envisioning. And the four pillars as of now for this miracle life are love yourself as you are, see yourself as you can be, create the most extraordinary life that you can imagine. That's too long, so I'm going to shorten that, figure it out. And help others do the same. Those are the four pillars of this miracle life concept. And it's really just the life, you call it the life of your dreams, the life we want, whatever you want to call it. But that's the direction that we're heading. And we're going to be interviewing people that can help you do those four things. Love yourself as you are, see yourself as you can be, create everything that you want for your life and pay it forward. And as you create your miracle life, help others do the same. So that's the direction we're headed. Goal achievers. I love you. I appreciate you probably more than you know. And uh, I look forward to talking to you very, very soon as in next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 